As a forward, I would just like to apologise for the sound quality in certain portions of this podcast. We had some Skype issues whilst recording. Hopefully, long term, this will not be an issue and we can resolve these going forward. I appreciate your patience with it. Uh, Hopefully, it doesn't take away too much from your enjoyment of the podcast on this occasion. I can assure you it'll be the last time that we have such issues. Thank you again for your patience. Hi everybody and welcome to the second edition of the Copcast podcast. Tonight we've sort of mixed things up a little bit. I'm still here hosting but uh, I have two new voices uh, coming at you on, on, the, on the pod this evening. And first up, I'll introduce the panel. First up we have in Bordeaux, Jan Gorski Mercier. I'm getting better and better, aren't I, Jan? Yeah, except, except <laughs> you're still calling me Jan for some reason when it's Jan. But never mind. <laughs> I know, but, but I'm pig ignorant Northern Ireland. You can't get away from that. You're Jan, right? <laughs> yeah, you make, make me sound like a, a Embry. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, you're not that good. Come on. No, no, you're I'm good, not. But you're not that good. No, definitely. So how, how's things with you? Uh, not so bad. Uh, Look, having a much cooler day here. I've had a yesterday reached forty two, which was a little bit on the uncomfortable side. At uh, forty two cents centigrade for anybody who was wondering. So today it's been a bit cooler, so that's been pleasant. I'm still sitting here next to a fan now, and uh, so you can imagine it's it's still not as as comfortable we'd like. But we're expecting a big thunderstorm this evening, so fingers Come crossed. On, <laughs> no, what do you need? You invest in air conditioning. That's the way. Oh, no, it's only no, thirty-three. No. Chilly, chilly day today. At yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's how we screwed the environment up in the first place. So, uh. <laughs> well, there's that. But unfortunately, I couldn't live without it here. Well, no, not Brazil. No, definitely, I understand that. So, moving along, second up, we have a great LFC writer in the form of Tim Johnson. Uh, very welcome to the pod, Tim. You're going to be with us going forward uh, as part of the crew here on on the Copcast. How are you this evening? Very, lo- very, very nice to have you on board. Yeah, no, I'm good, thanks, Dave. Thanks for uh, having me. It's a pleasure to uh, to be on and, yeah, part of the part of the project, so thanks. Man, who I have great respect for your views, so it's always nice to have you on. But listen, we'll get straight down into it. It's not been uh, really that much to talk about since our last podcast. We're sort of, uh, some would say, a little bit lazy in the transfer market. Maybe some would say we're waiting, um, and others are quite satisfied. Um, my own position is, I'm, I'm, well, I'm not unhappy. I'm a little bit maybe uneasy. And I'll come to Jan first. Uh, what would you say to me to, to, to ease those fears on, on what we've seen coming in and, and what do you see, think? You know, I know you've just, just off the back, the game's just finished, the friendly game yeah. against Huddersfield. A- anything there that you've seen and, and you, you want to bring to the table to, 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 to ease my fears, so to speak? Well, first, first thing in general terms is I think anybody who's expecting Klopp to go out this summer and spend like crackers. I don't necessarily mean on big names, although there's plenty of people who thought he might do that without really looking at what his career's been built on. I didn't think that was going to happen. I expected, I think I said at the start of the summer, maybe five or six, and we're approaching that now. I think he wants to get enough people he can put in without having to retweak a whole side. I think he went through nine months with the... uh, previous squad, you know, if you like Brendan's leftovers, and had a good sort through them. He also got some of the people back from low. He also got to take a good look at the kids. Um, but he also knows that um, we've got a purely domestic season ahead of us. No need to go bonkers this summer. Some players that you might want to look at probably wouldn't come this summer as we have no Europe of any kind. And so what he's going to do, I think, is concentrate using the core he's got, add to it where he thinks we're lacking, and he's been bringing some of the kids through, and they've been showing up incredibly well. Uh, Ajaria has certainly got a few tongues wagging. Ryan Kent, who, uh, for those of us who watch the Academy games, are more than familiar with. And Ben Woodburn, who's only 16, but uh, 
a force to be reckoned with for the future, I think, there. And there's a few others as well. Randall, I don't think personally, is necessarily going to make the cut in the long term. But there are a few others, Trent Alexander-Arnold. We're not short on quality in the youth end. And he likes the youth end, partly, because he can mould them to his own design, make them clock players rather than get somebody in who's known for being who and what they are and trying to force, you know, around peg into a square hole. So I'm not dissatisfied at all. I think Mane was a very smart addition. Vinaldum, if he comes, which is looking increasingly likely, that would be a very good addition, because I was hoping we'd get him last summer. But, of course, Brendan was too busy um, doing his thing with Benteke, and so uh, that wasn't going to happen then. Also, of course, Markovic is back and looks quite sharp. It'd be interesting to see what happens with him. There are still players. We've got to decide what's happening with them. Apparently, we've had a, a 14 million quid offer for Joe Allen. The Mirror, who ran with this story, said, but also, Klopp doesn't necessarily want to see Allen go this summer. Well, I don't know. If he doesn't, then he's going to have to offer him a new contract because he's only got a year left to go, and it's either 14 million now or bugger all next summer. So there's there's all those little issues to contend with, and also who who is going to get regular games and who isn't. So the the squad overall was always going to be pruned a little bit with the domestic season only in front of us, and the quality has been tweaked. Carius looks a a stupid bargain for the money. He, I've watched him tonight, and I've watched him in the last game, uh, and I, I'd seen him a few times last year um, for Mainz as well, but he. He is such an upgrade on poor old Miggs that it's difficult to see Miggs getting much of a look in next season, really. And Grujic, okay, he's only played in friendly so far, but I did see enough of what some Red Serb fans sent me last season to see this this guy could really be something, and you can see why Klopp and Buvac would like him. Who else was thinking? Ragnar Klaven, who signed on the dotted line effectively yesterday. Solid, reliable, 30-year-old, which should make people realise that it's not all about FSG's idea of Moneyball, which has long since gone out the window, folks. And that's it's Klopp who's calling the shots on these things. He's been brought in probably to play some first-team games, um, but mostly as backup. But he's a very solid guy, uh, did very well for Augsburg. Somebody actually looking at the stats worked out that uh, last season in the Bundesliga, the top blocker and tackler was Matip, who of course is now playing for us. Second to Matip was Klaven, who of course is now playing for us. So, you know, you can't really argue too much with that. Uh, Joel Matip I like the look of, but I always did, so that's no surprise to me. So I'm not dissatisfied. I didn't expect him to sign big names, and to be honest, if he had done, I'd have been slightly disappointed because it would go against the grain of everything he's done so far. That's not to say he might not buy slightly more higher-profile players than he was able to at Dortmund. But anybody who thought he was going to go out there and sign, I don't know, some of the names that we got linked to, so big Italian players and uh, some from the Spanish League, not likely. He likes to get players he can mould. So be of good cheer, Dave, because uh, we're going to be like we were towards the end of last season, but more solid, stronger and probably, well, better strength in depth, but probably uh, more attacking too, because our attacking lineup is looking very sharp. Yeah, well, the attack really never, well, the end product would have been something that would have bothered me last season. At times, we, we, we looked a little toothless. Everything was beautiful leading up to, to actually putting the ball in the net. Yeah. For, I'll, I'll swing across to Tim, basically the same thing, you know, we've had new additions, but as yet, that elusive defensive midfielder still hasn't materialised. Um, I know you know, we've looked at the Hood, we've looked at Ruben Neves, and, and you know, I'm purposely trying to keep away from the papers at a minute because they're just full of nonsense, uh, and I'm not getting the friendlies. It's refreshing to be sort of detached from it and, and to be able to talk about it on the podcast and learn that way. Your, your opinion on what's happened here over the summer, Tim, and, and the ins and outs, basically? Well, similar to Jan, I'm, I'm pretty happy about it. I think another way wanted us to buy young players, um, relatively unknown players where possible, not just because financially it's better for the club, but also because I think as a fan it's almost more exciting. You don't really know what you're getting. You can see the development of a player and the journey of a player and you can be part of that journey with them when they're part of your team. 
I think that's much more exciting for me as a fan than, say, going out and buying a Lewandowski or a Higuain or, you know, a Pogba or, or a Gundogan or, or, or people like that. So I think from that perspective, I mean, aside from the financial arguments, I enjoy getting these young players in, but also, uh, as Jan said as well, I mean, the way Klopp has, has seems to have worked uh, at his last two clubs was to promote kids from the academy, was to buy unknown players, particularly young players, and develop them. But also with our signing of Klavan, um today, um, I think that, or yesterday even, I think that that demonstrates, I mean, I disagree with Jan a little bit, I think that it still demonstrates Moneyball. I mean, Moneyball doesn't have an age restriction, and I think getting Klavan for, what was it, like just maybe a few million, uh, getting Massive for just a few million, um, these are all incredibly good values for money and, and the save that Carrius pulled off today uh, against Huddersfield uh, it was the first save he really had to make uh, for Liverpool given that the other pre-season games so far were are so easy for him pretty much apart from that one area I mean it was a phenomenal save and yeah I'm not saying that obviously other goalkeepers can't make those of the save but to be alert enough to make it on your first try is really promising sign he looked very comfortable so far so I think although none of the players were getting a really well known established names I think that they will become well known established names and we get to have the privilege of going on a journey with them uh, for them to hopefully become um, world class or at least very very good players No and I hear you on that and, and really another area I think for me the standout area is not the arrivals because in my own opinion, I, I, I truly believe that we'd buy a big name. I, I don't know why I had it in my head that we would buy a big name. Jan told me all summer on Bodies in the Box, we're not buying it, we're not buying it. But I just, the fantasy in me sort of just ran away. But I've been particularly, but, but what, no, I've just been particularly impressed by our business outgoing or, or the way that we're conducting our business for players leaving the club now. We are getting good value for them. We, you know, if the Benteke deal comes off, we could possibly get back all the money on that. The 15 million for IBE, the way that that was done, the clauses that were in it, there just seems to be a different feeling around the club at the minute. And I think that that's the high point for me is the way that we're selling. And it's, as Jan rightly said, you know, maybe next season is the time that we see the big changes and, and the big squad beefing up again if we, if we get into some kind of a European spot. But what is, what's your thoughts been on, on our outgoing business, Tim? Uh, yeah, I've always been more pleased with it. That than, than our incomings really uh, getting rid of Skirtle who we changed earlier and getting rid of Skirtle is uh, <laughs> probably the, the best bit of business we've done in, well since probably buying Suarez I mean he's really been that detrimental to the team I mean I was worried at one point during the Euros um, that he was so bad that maybe any deal for him to leave you know would be off but luckily Fennem Bacci uh, maybe stupid enough to buy him so that's really good for us and yeah Ben Teke if he knows you say that's, that's 30 million um, which would pay off the vast majority of you know what we've actually brought in so far this summer um, and I 15 million that's really I mean I would have taken 10 for that I really don't think he's got the right attitude and he's not you know he's not living up to the well, to his potential, not even expectation, but his potential. Um, he really sort of shrunk from that kind of role. Um, and yeah, so I've been very happy with that though so far. And if we can send a few more out, um, <laughs> yeah, we should be in a good, a good position and then maybe able to buy a couple more players and maybe even a player that uh, you'd be happy with, Dave. <laughs> Well, it's not, it's not that I'm unhappy in any way, um, with, with what's going on. I do have faith in, in the regime there. Uh, it's not about that. I just thought there would be some kind of a, a, you know, even if the Mario Gotze, uh, Gotze, uh, deal had to come off, to me, that would have been the one, you know, he's a Klopp player, obviously, and, and Klopp made him. It made sense. Uh, some, somewhere along those lines. Jan, for you, you know, the outgoing business, I know we've, we've discussed this, uh, in the past few weeks. But there's the potential here for Liverpool to finish this window in in the black rather than in the red with the transfer kitty. Do you think that's fair? It's possible. It uh, depends who we... I mean, if we were to offload Benteke for around the £30 million, which seems very likely, and if we did offload Joe Allen for £14 million, then, yeah, we, we would be... Uh, nominally in the black at the end of the season if nobody else comes in or if 
somebody else came in on the cheap or whatever. That doesn't bother me. I just say smart business because we brought in good players so far who could, some of them, Clavin, of course, we, we know what he is. He's a, he's a, a very, very good quality backup, uh, like Colo, but four or five years younger. Then you've got all the other younger players who've come in and whatever, but we've still got all these guys to come back from international duty yet. That's quite mind-boggling. You start to, then you start thinking, how do we fit everybody in? Bearing in mind, of course, it's a domestic season only. And so you, it, it tells you one of the first things is that uh, Klopp, at the very least, is going to be looking for a, a a Europa League place next season. I think he's going to go a bit better than that, but uh, fingers crossed. Without the distractions of other things and with being able to focus and having a bit of depth so that if somebody does get a, a nasty whack on the ankle or something, we have people who can step in. As for the defensive midfield a bit, I think he's looking... Well, I don't think Lucas is going anywhere in a hurry for a start. He might be here for another year, I think, uh, until he can find if he didn't wants... He, didn't he get injured tonight, John? He, he, well, he, he, Lucas get injured? He pulled a hamstring. Don't know how bad, but he went off straight away, probably as a precaution. But also, of that, course, it that, clops. That very, could have detriment. It could do, and that it might make it, it could do. It might make him go out and think, okay, well, we'll we'll look for somebody now. But uh, he also seems very fond of Kevin Stewart in that role, who also played tonight. And to be fair to the lad, did very very well. Gruyich can play that role if you want him to. He's certainly done it uh, a few times for uh, it was Red Star, wasn't it? But he's better. His better position is playing slightly forward of that. Of course, we've still got Emery Jean to come back, and we've still got Hendo to come back, and so there's no shortage of people who could slot in there. Whether any of them are ideal as a strictly defensive midfielder is another question. I think Stewart is probably the best fit for that most directly as a as a tackler and whatever. Although uh, Emery does that quite well too, to be fair to him. So he may go out yet and do that. I, I would expect, uh, if say we get um, Vinaldum in, I would expect it's not impossible that we might add two players more before the end of the window. But I, I was never expecting a huge amount in this summer. With, the, with this domestic season only ahead, I think it was a question of, OK, we'll up what we've got, we'll get rid of some of the, the very dead wood or the underachievers, which I, I agree with Tim Ibe. I was full of hope for that lad, but uh, he doesn't seem to have rocked on. And when you've got um, Kent and Ojo pushing at the uh, barriers behind him, and Markovic now, you, what, what have you got to lose by moving him on? Albeit with a very clear and very favourable buyback clause, should we so choose to do. It makes sense to move him. I think we're pretty well covered in most areas. Our attack, I was thinking about it while you are talking to Tim, and... Uh, of course, we've got Origi. Benteke, let's take him as gone. Uh, he was an attack that was as much a problem as a solution last year, at the very least. But you've got uh, Origi, you've got Ings up front, you've got Mane up front now. You've got all Those three can all play the forward attacker. But you've also got Ben Woodburn coming through. And you've got Ryan Kent who can do that as well. So we're not that short of options, but the thing is, they're all far more mobile options. But I expect we're going to see a lot more of one of those areas where Klopp, Shankly and Paisley overlap slightly, is they all like to see goals coming from all over the field. Not just Don't just leave it to the forwards. No, everybody chips in with goals. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that this season. So on the outgoing business, yeah, we could end up in the black. It wouldn't surprise me if we did. Who else has got to go yet? I don't know. People are still pointing at Lalana, but I don't think he'll go anywhere. I think quite uh, Klopp quite likes him. How he fits in with this and how many games he gets, um, we can only guess at. Because he came from from Southampton and because Brendan paid uh, twenty two million, not the twenty five that's often quoted. People still a lot of them take against him. I think he's been good. I think his finishing could do with improving. But uh, I don't think I think Alan will go before Lalana does, for example. But it's 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 hard to say where we go from here. There's a good squad taking shape. It's now a question of what he does with it and what he gets out of it. And 
let's face it, if you look at his record, what he does with it and what he gets out of him is where his strength lies. No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right on that one. And for you, Tim, you know, what, what do you maybe expect in, in the way of departures? Um, what, who, who else do you think we may see going? You know, Jean has mentioned Joe Allen there or Lalana. Personally, I'd keep Allen out of the two if it was down to me. Yeah. You, you know, I, I think Joe Allen, he has a use, but maybe there's maybe too many players coming in. You know, but that's the areas we're sort of buying in at the minute. Maybe there's too many too many pegs for for not enough holes. What way do you well, see it panning out? Well, I I really like Joe Allen, and I yeah been a bit big advocate of his for a long time ever since he joined the club. Really, I, I want him to stay, uh, especially as he's one of the few players that can fill that sort of defensive midfield, central midfield role. So I definitely keep him. Uh, Lalana, if the right offer came in, I would quite happily sell. Uh, but it has to be the right offer. He was useful at Tidarsi and he had some very, very good moments. So, you know, anything of 20 million or higher, I would definitely accept. Milner, I would probably sell. Um, He's not going to be happy not getting a lot of game time anyway, and I don't think he will get a lot of game time. He's certainly not an automatic starter, so I would, I would sell him, and we got him cheaply, so I'd be willing to sell him quite cheaply as well. And his wages are um, ridiculously high if reported to be believed. So, in terms of our defenders, I mean, there's no one we really can sell now we've sold Skirtle. Well, everybody else is doing a, a good job. Although we need backup for Moreno, I think selling Moreno would be a, a big mistake. Strikers, Apart from Ben Tech, I'm, I'm very happy with the strike of have. So I think, yeah, minus Milana, Milner, and Ben Tech, I'm really not too bothered about selling anybody else. Although, Markovic, I know Jano, you said earlier that he looked sharp. I don't think he's, whilst he's had sharp moments, I don't think he's looked really enthusiastic. I don't think he looks comfortable and I think that he he almost seems a bit out of his depth a bit like he knows he might be going so I wouldn't be surprised to see Markovic go even if it's out on loan again but I, I would expect him to uh, to to certainly not start games if he, if he did stay so yeah and I'd, I'd take 18 million upwards for Markovic because fundamentally even if he's not going to do too well for us he is a quality young player but maybe we're just not the right club for him um, which is unfortunate, but uh, that's just the way it goes sometimes. But do you think, um, you know, given the fact, do you think Klopp will want to take more of a look at, at Markovic than, than pre-season, or do, do you feel maybe that, you know, Klopp has maybe taken that look at him, uh, you know, while he was away on loan, and and has has a decision made? You know, I know that if you read social media, you get a very very mixed picture on Markovic. It's, it seems to be a very fifty fifty camp, you know, about you know the the kid needs a chance, or you know, just move him on now. But what do you, what do you think Klopp will do with him, Tim? Do you think he will give him that chance, or do you think it'll just be a case of he, he's seen enough? I think you look at it two ways. You can say, well, look what he's done with Balotelli. He hasn't really, you know, he's already said that he doesn't want Balotelli here, and Balotelli should find a new club. He will have watched Balotelli whilst Balotelli was on loan. Uh, he'll obviously know about Balotelli, um, but he's only seen him in training a few times and he said that he wants him to go so you could say he'll do the same with Markovic or you could say because Markovic doesn't seem to come with that kind of baggage that Balotelli does although I think that's often overblown and I have a lot of sympathy for Balotelli Klopp does seem quite ruthless and I think he will have watched all our players on loan he'll already have an idea of what he wants to do but yeah maybe he will uh, give him a fair crack at the whip at the whip um, I think from what we've seen a Markovic so far this preseason, he doesn't look quite settled, so I imagine that he might have been told, you know, he, he, he might need to find a new club as well, and that's maybe why he's not looking as settled as he as he could do. No, that's, that's interesting. Sean, on, on the back of what Tim said there, would you agree with him? I, I think I'm in the p- position with Markovic. We saw what we saw when under, under Rodgers, and then he was lumped out the season after. You know, he was played ridiculously out of position. Yes, he was. Scene, I think, at, at wing back. I would like to see the kid get an opportunity, even maybe till Christmas. Even well, Christmas I, 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 I think he will get an opportunity if if he does get sold. I'd be slightly surprised unless there was a, a definite plan in Klopp's mind on it. Uh, I'd be slightly surprised if it was this summer. I think Klopp would like to see him uh, seeing what he's like in his formation, but with the first team players around him. I mean, he's played in four 
uh, played four halves in four reserve games, effectively, so far, these friendlies, where it's been uh, mostly with the cast-offs, the kids, who, the kids who are coming through, and, you know, the people who are going out, and, I mean, out all the way, such as Jordan Ibe. So I think he will get, get a go, but he's like one of those who has the same sort of problem, in a way, as we were mentioning Joe Allen. I like Joe Allen, too, but the problem he's got is the position he plays in is becoming rather clogged. We now have uh, a wealth of sort of midfielders to play behind the front three, if you like. We've got, well, we've got uh, Henderson, Sean, Allen, stick him in there, Stewart, Brannigan, who we know Klopp is quite fond of, and Gr- Gr- uh, Gruwich as well, of course. Some, no, somebody's got a, something may get, have to give there. I don't know. Maybe he's happy to keep them for this season as it's domestic. There's just the, the league and the two cup games and play some of them in rotation a bit and see who he fancies the look of in a full season from scratch with his team. I'd, I'd, it's, we're guessing, you know, we, we can only guess at these things. But I've certainly seen him do that kind of thing in his second season at Dortmund. He he bought huge the first summer, something like 17 players in and out or something. But the second summer was fairly minimal. And what he did was have a really good look at who he'd got and who he'd assembled, because it was very much his team at this point. And at the end of that summer, he got rid of more than he brought in. And I, I suspect he's looking at that kind of approach now. Lalana. He's still a puzzle to make because it's obvious the guy's got all the tools. He's probably one of our best pressers, if not the best presser, which is going to be valuable to a Klopp game, of course. Klopp again seems to like him. Um, how many games he's going to get, I don't know. But there's there's not been any murmurs I've heard from people I know about him being sold or being asked to move. The Balotelli thing is interesting because we got that report from James Pierce. Yes, James Pierce, that one. Saying uh, Klopp tells Balotelli, find another club. And then a few days later, in a German TV interview, some of which was picked up by Die Welt and other things, Klopp effectively says, I didn't say any of the, anything of the kind. He, he didn't exactly enlighten us what he did or didn't say, but he, he, apart from anything else, he just said that much I didn't say. So we don't know what the hell's going on there, but I suspect, as we all do, that Balotelli will be moved on if someone uh, puts in a bid or he finds somewhere he wants to go. He certainly hasn't featured. I don't know what his his current fitness state is like, but he hasn't featured in any of the friendlies, which is ominous, whereas Markovic, for example, has played in all four. It's interesting that uh, I was watching tonight, and Markovic came on for the second half, and every 10 minutes or so, Klopp would call him over. You see a lot of gesticulating, all, all quite amicable, saying, have a look at this, have a look at that, I want you to move there. So I got the impression he sees a role for him. You know, it's just from ob- observation, but exactly how, what, where, and how often. I mean, we can't mind read. We, we can only go with the evidence of our eyes. But I don't know how many more players are going to go out what is interesting on the outgoings, as you have you noticed, there's one player we haven't noticed who ten months ago everybody wanted gone, which was Lovren. Well, I don't think I don't foresee him going too far, Jan. To be honest with you, this I, 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 I um, agree with um, Dave Hendrick. I think he's got another year. If he has a good year with us now, then who knows? But if he has a mixed year, then I think he will be gone. Mm, well, he might go by Christmas. Go ahead. I'm I'm not going to listen to Dave on, on Lovren. <laughs> no, he, he does yeah. have rather an agenda with Lovren. <laughs> it's slightly blighted. <laughs> but, but the thing is, when Lovren, when we, when we were in the process of signing Lovren, I'd only seen him a couple of times. Well, I'd seen him for Southampton, obviously, where he had good players around him. And I, but I'd only seen him a couple of times for, uh, Olympic Lyon when, uh, he wasn't really asked to do an awful lot in that game because the two games I saw they were quite dominant in but Dave was on at me because I mean I talked to Dave a lot and Dave was on at me saying this guy's bloody awful his figures are bad his stats are bad and I said well let's you know I was saying to Dave well let's see what he's like when he puts on a red shirt and whatever and within six months I mean Dave was right he was bloody awful but you then have to say Klopp came in uh, eventually and uh, Lovren who'd been 
one of the main hate dogs for any number of fans, even the quite sensible fans. Suddenly Lovren, when he came back from his injury under Klopp, started to look like a different player. He, I mean, he still made the odd mistake. He was still caught out of position a few times, but it didn't prove costly because the rest of the defence was much better organised. So he's not a worry for me in the way he was. Dave still thinks he's terrible and he's got to go. But even Dave said he, he's probably going to be here for another year. There's an, there's an element of um, pragmatism about uh, about his look at it at the moment. But yes, Lovren is never going to get too many birthday cards from Dave, I think it has to be said. No, that's <laughs> fair. Uh, you know, uh, Dave nailed his colours to his mask very early with Lovren. I think it's too late to change them now. I think that's... Uh, well, even if it comes to the next strike of Brazy... But he nailed them very emphatically. He didn't give himself... Oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> but no, there, there were, well, at first, he, he was absolutely much. right, to be fair to him. And Lovren was fucking awful. But it can't be... You, you can't deny the fact that since Klopp's come along... He does look, for now at least, well, if he can keep it up, fantastic. But he looks a different player. Like I say, he's still prone to the odd lapse and the odd mistake, but it hasn't proved costly because the rest of the defence isn't rubbish anymore. So who knows? I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I, I definitely agree with you. I'll come to Tim with this one. You know, I definitely agree with you. There's been a massive improvement in, in Dejan Lovren's game. Um, you know, I, I would have been one, probably like us all, who, uh, during the Rodgers time, it was just like, get rid of him. It's, it's just not a Liverpool player. But I've changed that quite a bit. And, you know, I have softened on him. And I'm just curious, Tim, do you see him as a starter this season with Klopp? Or do you think that Matip will get the, get the, get the nod with, with Sacco? Or, or how much game time do you actually see Lovren getting this season? It's a good question, now. I think you could have it two ways. You can say Matip was brought in to be a sort of uh, a backup or, you know, because he didn't cost that much and he's still relatively young. Um, or you can say Matip was brought in to definitely start and I think that's what I tend to lean towards. So the other, you know, the question is then, is it Lovren or, or Sacco? I think Sacco switching shirt numbers was interesting for me. I don't know if there's any explanation about this anywhere, but for me, it sort of screams a new captain for Liverpool next season. I think that will be Sacco. Nailed on first team as well, Tim, to be honest yeah. with you, it would suggest. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's right. So I don't think Henderson will be starting every game. And I think you, obviously you can't, have, you, you can't have a captain who's not supposed to start every game. So I think it'll be Matip and Sacco and Lovren because um, of his reputation fairly or unfairly um, and despite how well he played at times for Liverpool I don't think he'll be starting every game unless maybe sometimes we go three at the back or mm. you know maybe there's uh, an injury obviously or something so yeah it's quite hard I mean it's good it's good because now we have four centre-backs uh, including Clarven who I would feel comfortable playing. Absolutely, I'd yeah. I feel comfortable if one of them got another one stepping in, and that's not something that I've felt uh, for, you know, like five years. You know, mm. yeah, we have good, we have good choices, we have good options. But I think it'll be Matic Sacco, uh, the main partnership next season. John, would you think anything different, or? Well, I, actually, for, on the whole, I, I tend to agree with uh, Tim on this. Um, of course, we've also got Joe Gomez. We've got five effectively there when he's fit again. The the only possible sort of spanner from left field on this, I was talking to uh, Michael, a German friend of mine on Twitter, on DMs yesterday, who's quite the Matip fanboy to a degree, but he reckons, and I don't know why he thinks this, but it's interesting, as we were talking about defensive midfielder, he reckons that Matip could do that job, and that might be one of the things that Klopp's looking for out of him. Uh, that surprised me, although... He, Fair, fair enough, he has played in that position a few times. It's not his known position, though, I think it's fair to say. He's also been right back, of course, and he's played sort of uh, right midfield on occasion. It did give me pause for thought, and I thought, well, if you had Sacco and Lovren or Sacco and Gomez as the two CBs, and Matip playing, uh, whose passing is very, very good, it has to be said, and Matip was playing in a point in front of him covering those two, that's interesting. I'm not sure how it would then change the rest of the setup in front of them, but it was at least it was. So he gave me something to think about, at least I suppose. That that does strike me as a little bit of a last resort, though. I think yeah, quite likely. I agree, Tim. Yeah, 
Because his primary position is centre-back. In all the preseason games so far, he played centre-back, not yeah. defensive midfield. And also, just on his passing, it was really nice. The other, the last game that he played, not against Huddersfield, obviously, he can, he can yeah. play. But w- Wigan, was he, it? He wanted, uh, yeah, Wigan. Yeah. Some of the passes he was making reminded me a lot about of Sacco. And some of Sacco's passing is really nice. And it is, yes. And it, he always acts as a kind of defensive midfield from the centre-back position. And I think if you had Matip and Sacco, then you have two players who can essentially split the whole of the field with these with good accurate long range passing yeah. and you then kind of eliminate the need for a defensive midfielder because you're fine with just normal centre mids if you have good ball playing centre backs and I think if you have both of them there it, it kind of eliminates the, the need for you know die hard uh, defensive midfield player No I tend to agree with you on that one uh, I think uh, we'd, uh, we'd say that is centre-mid thing at uh, the way you use that at Dortmund was to have um, Gundogan really doing a lot of that kind of work. And I suppose Sean will be the one looking to be doing that kind of work mostly here in next season. We'll see. Well, of course, once we get everybody back in the season underway, maybe we'll get a taste of it in the US end of the tour. No, that, I think that's a very good point. I, I love the way when Matip comes forward too. He reminds me of Hansen, you know, for those of us with a longer memory than some. That sort of uh, close control and then gets up forward and just lays it off for somebody to finish. I, I love seeing him do that. He did that against Wigan a couple of times as well. Yeah. Well, if he's in the bracket with Jockey Hansen, he's all right by me. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> have you had to, to see him? You know, Sam, I'm getting the, the, the friendlies out here and with my shitty internet, there's no way I can stream them or download them even, so... As I say, it's going to be a surprise for me at the start of the season. But I, I want to, I want to talk to you. You know, you're talking about midfielders there, and you know, it's been suggested to me. I, I don't know how, what your your own feelings would be on it. Obviously, that that Grujic or whatever his name is, <laughs> I probably pronounced it wrong because I do that all the time. Grujic. Um, Grujic. Okay. Grujic. Grujic. There you go. No, yeah. Thank you. You, pronou- Thank- you pronounce the unlike um, what his face on the LFC commentary. You pronounce the J as a sort of soft Y. So it's Grujic. I have my head stuck in Portuguese. No, you can't. Fuck, you can't even fucking say a three-letter one like Jan. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so it's been suggested that this this guy is, you know, in Klopp's plans to start in the midfield. I'm just curious as to as to what your thoughts would be on that. Well, Jan, you know, do you, do you think he's good enough to to step up to the plate at this stage? Ah, uh, I th- I do think he's a very very good player, and I think he he's the sort of ideal sort of player cut from the cloth that Klopp likes to work with. Whether he, he starts, he'll certainly figure in the season, I, I'm, I'm absolutely certain of that. Whether he starts will be dependent on how well Klopp can integrate him into what he wants to do between now and the start of the season. Uh, so far, he's looked good. He's scored two goals and two friendlies, both of them very well taken, it has to be said. He shows good control. With le- he's you haven't seen him, Dave, but he's both left and right footed, which is always a nice addition to your, to your midfield. Wow. He's tall. He's strong. Uh, he shrugs people off the ball very easily. He can get up for headers. Well, he, cause he's about six foot three, six foot four, and he can get up for headers very nicely. And he's one of those players. Who, who is it? I'm trying to think. Roger Hunt, who I'm not comparing to as a player, but people used to say, uh, Roger Hunt was, uh, for a slow man, he was deceptively quick. And that's a little bit like Grujic, because he seems to have uh, quite a lumbering gait, and yet he goes past people. Now, which is, and he's got a very good turn, very good close control. It's, it's all about how well and how quickly Klopp can integrate him into his system. But like I was saying earlier with, uh, to Tim about, you know, Alan and all the others, he's going to be competing for a place in an area which is reasonably congested in terms of we've got some very good choices the, the the more what's interesting is the more you look at this squad now even after only a handful of sales and a handful of additions is how much tighter and how much better across the squad it looks from front to back i mean Miggs is going to be a reserve goalie it's a reserve goalie that's fine carrius looks quite imperious uh cool as a bloody cucumber that one the right back position when klein back is back is going to be uh, a toss-up between him and Flanagan, I think, for the most part. I can't see Randall making the cut. 
the, the mid, mid uh, centre backs, we've got five to choose from once Joe Gomez is fit. We've got six, six or seven midfielders uh, of reasonable to excellent quality. None of them are poor, which is the thing. And then, of course, we've got our upper midfielders and our front line, all of which we just look so much better. Now, uh, admittedly, at the moment, it's on paper, but there are no poor players in there. So it's difficult. I suspect Grujic will get games. How soon? Depends, like I say, how, how well Klopp can integrate him early. Tim, uh, go ahead. Uh, sorry, no, I was just going to agree with you. Yeah, I, I think in terms of when he plays, I think one big advantage he has right now is that Henderson isn't back from his holiday after international duty. Yes. Um, neither, is, neither is Alan. Um, so you, I think. You know, we forgot. Who a, we forgot on this, Tim, is Milner. We haven't mentioned him as well in that sort of, uh, uh, yeah. Role. Yeah. And he's, he's got the same problem, you know, as has Lalana. So. Yeah. Groich is in a really good position to be able to nail down place in preseason. He's already training, you know, obviously longer than the others will train. Uh, he has advantages that others don't have. Yeah, I mentioned his height and his two-footedness. I think those are things that are really, really important and that I think Klopp thinks are really important as well. So I think, especially with our early fixtures, Arsenal away and a few others, I think his attributes are going to be more important than the attributes of, say, a Henderson or a Milner. I could definitely see him starting um, the season. Yeah, I don't, I, and I personally wouldn't have an issue with that from what I've seen so far and what I know. I think, I think that's absolutely fine. And yeah, it's quite exciting, I think. No, and I'm gonna, I'll stick with you, Tim, on this one. You know, we've, we've talked about the areas in the team and so on. I think the, the glaring omission, I think something that all of us fans were maybe expecting, and we, we still may get it, obviously, but at this stage it hasn't materialized, is, and I was picked up earlier on, the cover at left back. I know we've, we've toyed with Jonas Hector and, and, and yeah. maybe a couple others, but nothing seems to be coming in in that area. Number one, how do you feel we are, we, you know, cause it's traditionally really, for a long time now, our left-back position has been up in the air, really. We've never had anything that there. You know, Moreno does have yeah. a few question marks over him still. Could you see maybe a, a better backup there or even a superior player coming in in that area? Or do you feel it's maybe something that they're going to look at next season, maybe at this stage? I think, I think it's obvious that we've tried to get somebody else there or a backup or a starter, one or the other. But for whatever reason, it's not really happening yet. And I think that if we were absolutely desperate for one then it then it wouldn't happen but i think a lot more is being made out of this than maybe there actually is in terms yeah. of whether there's an issue or not whilst moreno does have a lot of faults i think he's often scapegoated and i think he has a lot of advantages that other players don't have i mean i i, I really would struggle to think of a quicker one a quicker left back and i would struggle to think of someone as skillful with the ball uh, at left back as, as Moreno, the trouble is obviously the you know occasionally the defending part, which is <laughs> primarily his job. But um, I don't know. I think I've always I've always been impressed with Smith, and I don't I don't know why people are quick to write him off. I think he's a really good backup to Moreno, or even a challenger to Moreno uh, at times. I think he's a good deliverer of the ball. I think he's defensively. Not too bad for a young player. Uh, he's also quick. He's strong. I would be happy going into the season with Moreno and Smith for now. What I would be more concerned about actually is right back because I think if Klein gets injured, you know, we do have Flanagan, but they're completely different players. At least with Smith and Moreno, there's a similarity. With Klein and Flanagan, I don't really see a similarity in how they play and the attributes they have. And that is a bit concerning. I think there'd be quite a big change to the team dynamic if one of them got injured. Whereas I don't think it'd be that big a change if, uh, say, Moreno or Smith got injured. I think on that one, is uh, I absolutely agree with Tim on this. And I think that's why Randall's got such a, a run in this uh, pre-season so far. But I don't think he's up to snuff. That's my personal view on it. Yeah. Well, Sean, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll... 
can, can I just throw another one at you? Um, another angle at this one. You know, whenever, whenever Joe Gomez, young Joe Gomez started last season, he was playing, you know, as I think it was a left back he was playing. He could, could, that he, can, possibly, he, could he can play at left back or right back. Yeah. That's perfectly possible. And he's got is enough that quality. Maybe the thinking about it. it might well is be. That, yeah. I mean, it was occurring to me while, uh, Tim was saying that, that Gomez, you know, we say we've got five centre-backs, but of course Gomez is reasonably comfortable. I, I wouldn't necessarily say equally comfortable, but uh, he's reasonably comfortable playing on either side of the two centre-backs, left or right. So there is cover there. You know, it's not like we're absolutely dependent on Conor Randall or anybody else and that front. We, so we've got, on the left, we've got uh, Smith and uh, Moreno, and on the right, we've got Flanagan and Klein, but we've also got Gomez as an alternative for either. So we're reasonably well covered at the moment, and I yeah. don't think it's necessarily, in, in Klopp's mind, a, a priority at this point. That may change, you know, uh, and of course it's always putting yourself as a hostage to fortune to try and guess what's in the manager's thinking. But I, I agree with uh, what Tim said. If that was seen as a priority, it would probably have been addressed by now. And as far as I know, we've not shown any serious interest in anybody's left back or right back. So, no, I, I think I think that's what we're going into with the season. And like Tim, I'm reasonably content with that. I'll be more content when Joe Gomez is fit. We know we've got that extra bit of cover of a different type if we need it. Fair. Listen, just to close this up, and just just for a bit of crack, more than anything else, uh, I'll come to Tim on it. Um, do you think that it is possible for Liverpool to move uh, James Milner during this window, or maybe even January, given the fact of his wages? You know, I know he came on a free, but he is on quite quite a large wage now, given his age also. Factoring into that, would James Milner accept lower wages maybe to go somewhere else for game time? What, what do you, what's your feeling on that one? Because obviously he's not going to get the game time at Liverpool. Do you think that, that he, he might move on the back of that? Yeah, I do think it's possible. I think actually, I would even say, I don't know, in my view anyway, I think it's more likely that he'll go in this window than stay or, or leave in January. And I think that the issue with wage demands, I think that issue is diminished if we accept less money in a transfer. So instead of us maybe saying, uh, give us seven million if we said give us two or three million because the amount of money we'd be saving on wages is is so big and if he's not going to get a look in the don't want keeping him so to sell him for um, you know just a couple of million that will allow other clubs to say well okay with the wage demand we can afford it because we were willing to spend five million on the transfer and pay him you know 60 grand a week now we can buy him two million and, and give him you know 110,000 a week it's not you know, there are ways around wage demands, and I think that that shouldn't be an issue. Also, I don't see him going to a club at the very bottom end of the table, because I think he think it's beneath him. So going to a mid-table club, or even maybe even higher, even as a squad player, I think those are the kinds of clubs, especially with the new TV money, I think wage demands won't be as big of an issue as, you know, maybe they would be if he went to a, to a much quote, worse club, uh, and if the new TV money uh, uh, hadn't come in. And for you, Sean, would you would you share that? Do you think it is possible to move him on? What do you think of the likelihood of, of us seeing that during this window, or maybe even in the January window? Do you think it is, is a gore? One of the very few things I partially disagree with Tim on this one uh, for tonight's talk, I think Klopp likes him, and, and he'd want to keep him uh, for now which means it depends what happens when he gets back from holiday and they have a chat. Milner, whatever you think of him as a player, seems like a very decent bloke and I don't think I don't think yeah, wages I don't think wages is that big of an issue for them. I think you you got it right when you said playing time. One of the reasons he moved for, to us and supposedly as far as I know took a, a wage cut to do so was he was going to get playing time, which he duly did. I think like Moreno, he's become a bit of a scapegoat as well at times. I don't mind him. I don't think he will get as many games as he has done. It's a difficult one. It all depends what goes on between him and Klopp when they get back. And Klopp is going to obviously talk to a few. He's going to have to have a chat with Henderson. I think in a, in a way, Henderson is in more danger of being shipped than Milner. Because yeah, his, I agree. Yeah, his position has been practically eaten up. So it's difficult to say... Uh, Milner's wage 
so I'm told, is actually 120 grand a week. A lot of people think it's 150 and whatever, but it's not. The person who told me that is in a position to know. So that's not inordinately high in this day and age. The other thing is, with the amount of extra money that's flooded into the Prem this year with the TV deal and some of the buys you can see going from even the smaller clubs, I don't think wages would be too much of an issue there, provided they didn't sign into a five-year contract on 160000 a week or something daft like that. But I don't think they would at his age, and I think he would respect that at his age he can't command that kind of wage anyway. But I don't think... I think he's another one like Lovren, who's at the very least on a year's probation. Let's see what happens with him next summer. I don't think he'll go. I think Henderson has more chance of going which will be of no surprise to some and a big shock to others. I'm not sure what Henderson himself would think about it. I just don't see Milner going just yet. Jan, can I ask a question on the back of that? Yeah, do you sure. See, do you see Henderson going as a way of maybe you know relieving him of the armband in the process? or No, I, you think, know, rather I, don't, I think that... Uh, no. You don't think the armband comes into I it don't at think, all? I don't think that comes into it at all. Um, I think he was left with the armband for the season because that's just Klopp being Klopp and being, you know, polite. He's very careful about his human interactions, is Klopp. Um, seeing players as people rather than simply canned goods, the way Mourinho sees, sees them. And so I don't think that, that will have been much interest. He will have, he will have talked and will talk to all his squad this summer and say, here are some changes I'm going to make. They don't reflect on you personally, but he'll, he'll do the full motivation thing. I, d- I don't expect Henderson will be captain. I, I don't. I half expect he won't even be there. But we'll, no, that remains to be seen. We're guessing, of course, on that. But I think uh, I don't think Sacco changing numbers has anything to do with the captain either. Uh, as far as I understand it, that was because Ragnar asked for number seventeen because it's a number he, he, that he's particularly fond of, and it was just one that Sacco took. And because number three was free. Uh, he was happy to let it go, as as far as I know. But I mean, that might be that might be bollocks as well, for all I know. But that's what I find that, that difficult. You can't be a new player and ask for a shirt number of something. Well, it, it's happened before. It's happened before when players have had what they consider lucky numbers. Smitza did it, for example, going back a bit. Did it for Harry Kuehl, and so on and so forth. So it does it does happen. But uh, I'm not saying, like, say that could well be total bollocks. But I don't think that, if anything, the one thing we can see from Sacco changing numbers is that he's not going anywhere. That's that's the first and foremost thing. Klopp will pick his own captain, I think, for this. He's had Brendan's captain for a year. He'll pick his own. I expect, like everybody else, it will be Sacco, because uh, he's the most obvious natural leader, if you like. The only, the only other candidate for it, or the only other possible two candidates for it, for me, would be uh, Emre and if he so sees fit, although it wouldn't be my choice simply because he's new, would be Matip, would be the other possibility. But that's possibly also bias on my part, because being an ex-centre-back myself, I always thought that the uh, captain should be a centre-back or a defender, but hey-ho. Well, listen, that, that, that's grand. Tim, do you, do you want to add anything on to what Jan said there before we close? Feel free, far away. No, I, I would just, I agree with what Jan said generally, but I, I do, I think the issue of, of the captaincy is going to be a bit harder for Henderson to take than people are making out because essentially, if, even though you, you may accept that you were given that captaincy under the circumstances that Gerard left, you were the only, you know, you were the only really viable candidate and Klopp stuck with you because you were already captain and, you know, so on. I think there's still it's still got to really hurt to be to be told, okay, I know you're a captain, but you're not my choice, and and therefore I'm going to make somebody else captain. I think you you can't say that in a way that doesn't make that player feel like they're not entirely wanted. And I think that that will influence his feelings. And I think Henderson wants to be at Liverpool, but ultimately, if you're then told okay, you can stay, but you won't start every game and you're not going to be captain. I think that you know that does contribute to him vying for a move away or for him to you know be tempted by another club or even for, in a way, it's almost Klopp sort of pushing him out of the door by removing the captaincy. So I think it has bigger implications than maybe first thought. It's an interesting thing, isn't it, this, though? Because... Uh... I mean, I've been watching Liverpool for 50 years now, and I've only ever known three captains 
be reasonably content or even slightly happy about giving up the captaincy. Ron Yates, when he was coming towards the end of his career, saw it as a, a fairly reasonable and natural move when Tommy Smith took it over. When Tommy Smith lost it to Emlyn Hughes, he was not happy. Oh boy, was he not happy. <laughs> then when Sammy Hoopier gave it up for Steve Gerrard, Sammy said uh, he thought possibly that being captain was also hindering his own game. You know, but you hear that more in cricket, for example, than you do in football, but yeah. maybe, you know, different folks for different strokes and whatever. But it, it doesn't happen much. Oh, the other one was Phil Thompson, mm-hmm. who was slightly disappointed, but admitted that the following season he played more in a more carefree manner. So he was quite, quite content with it. I think he gave it up to Sooners, didn't he? But it doesn't happen often. You can't lose the captaincy generally unless you're a very big person and not be unhappy about it. it I don't think it necessarily means that, you no, know, you're not in my plans. It could do, but, you know, we, we have to admit we're guessing on that. But it certainly means you're not the man I see leading this team. And it also means I'm willing to, if you're Klopp, it means I'm willing to risk you being unhappy and wanting to leave. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That, it, that, that, that has yeah. to be taken into consideration, Tim. Absolutely. Well, listen, we've rambled, guys. Um, and, and I know Tim is, is a bit struck for time, so we'll... We'll maybe just leave it at that for, for, for this particular episode. I'd just like to thank you both very, very much for your time. It's very, very much appreciated. And before we go, I'll, I'll, I'll go around the table. Tim, are, are you writing at the moment? Uh, I know you're, you're, you're going to write a wee bit for us here on, on Cop yeah. Left. Uh, but have you, have you anything out at the minute or anything you want to plug? Yeah, yeah well, uh, I've, uh, been writing a lot of, uh, politics related things right now. So. You Brexit has got you excited, in other words. <laughs> <laughs> in the wrong way. Yeah, no. Um, like the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, feel free to check out my Twitter, which is uh, TimJulston underscore 89. Uh, and I write occasionally on uh, the blog heavymetalpolitics.wordpress.com. And that's potentially project and pipeline for me on the side there. Um, but I do hope to obviously write some stuff for... Uh, for cop left and, and some more pieces on Liverpool. So I'm trying to do both, uh, but there's way too much happening uh, politically right now, whereas Liverpool's just pre-season. So. <laughs> fully under, uh, fully well, understandable, I think, at this moment. Yeah. In time. But li- listen, thank you so much for appearing. And I'll say we're, we'll look forward to hearing from you more from you as, as the no, season progresses. Good. So can I just chip in can. there and say... I read some of Tim's heavy metal politics blog, and I think it's superb. If you haven't read any of it, folks, it's definitely worth a look. Yeah, I, I, pl- I plugged him better than he did because he's worth it. <laughs> well, there you are. So, moving to you, w- when are we eventually going to get this jumper for goalposts over on AI? Oh, uh, uh, well, it's it's this, uh, it's it's not far off, folks. Uh, I, I can say that much. It's been a bit stymied because I've had a lot of work come in I wasn't expecting to get, both from uh, my friends at University of Melbourne, who's got me working all hours, but uh, on very good stuff, and I'm enjoying that, part, partly to help put a book together. Of course, my daughter's over for a month, and it would be a bit mean for me to say to her, do you mind buggering off while I finish this? So um, it will get there. And of course, there's the other things so with the Luthier business has taken off a bit, more than I expected as well, so I've been up to my neck in uh, Gibsons and Fenders lately as well. But I, I will get there, folks, I, I promise. And I'll make sure it's worth it. Oh, no, well, it always is, and that's why I keep asking on every podcast that I'm on with you, where is it coming? Yeah. Because there's oh, absolutely... Oh, oh, so I'm doing some writing. Um, oh, my God. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not quite <laughs> sure where I'm going to put that out yet. <laughs> I've had a few offers, so we'll see. <laughs> Well, you've just got another one you can write for us if you want. Oh, be quite happy to. Be quite happy to, Dave. As I say, we're, we're, we're small and we're growing, but we've had a lovely response to the first podcast. And I say, for, for, for people who maybe don't know Sean or, or are familiar with what he does, he does the history pods over on Alfred Index, which are absolutely magnificent. It's and especially at, for, for, at Fidzy, in case you were wondering. That's who I am on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. And so as I say, he does the history pods. And for, for younger people, even for me, like, like I learn. Loads of stuff from him. You, you know what the um, best feedback I got back on that was? Uh, I won't mention his name. Uh, a Liverpool fan who's actually a couple of years older than me. More, well, 
slightly more than a couple of years older than me, who loved it and got back to me and said, I loved this. It's been like a trip down memory lane. Said, and, you know, he, he particularly loved my descriptions of the old Anfield, which, of course, anybody much under between 50 and 60 isn't going to know. You know, the clouds of steam rolling off the cop from people when they still wore overcoats on rainy, cold nights and things like this. Never mind the air, the, fe- the warm feel of a trickle down the back of your leg when someone couldn't make the toilet. But, uh, you know, Shit it, happens. <laughs> oh, it does. And, and the little Probably. streams coming down from the, from the top of the cop where people have peed against the back wall, you know, at the top end. It was a bit like WB Yeats said, there was a terrible beauty about the whole thing back in those days. And uh, I, I do enjoy that. And I, I, I was really pleased to find out that uh, my old boss in Australia, my old university boss who's now in Australia, has started uh, listening to the pods, and he loves them. <laughs> so that that's actually been a bigger cheer than anything. It's, it's encouraged me to get on and finish this thing, uh, despite work commitments and whatever. Ah, oh, you'll get round to it. But it's oh, really yeah. worth it. If any if anybody's never listened to them, head across to Anfield Index. There they are. I think you've two or three out at the moment. They're just excellent. And it's a great background on the city, the club, the culture, the music culture. Everything's involved there. So there's something for everybody in those pods. Give, give them a look if you haven't. But listen, <laughs> for me, I'm just going to plug WFI um, and our new tactics pod with uh, with Steve Grieve and myself. First one is live yesterday. Uh, there'll be another one next week. We've got a South American pod coming from Colombia over there as well. If, you, if you're into your football and, and maybe like a little bit more niche, come across WFI. Uh, you'll find us on, on Twitter at World Football, uh, World Football I. And again, on SoundCloud, uh, totally free to download. There's a selection of pods there that are timeless um, on all areas of the game, South America, North America. We cover the globe of India with everywhere we've been. So g- give us a follow there or give us a look anyhow. And uh, you can find me on... Has Steve got a tactics van like Andy Townsend used to have? No. Mr. Trick there. <laughs> yeah. What he does bring is wonderful knowledge and very, 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 very good content. He certainly does. So I'd just like to thank my guests again who have been fantastic. Thank you very much for your time, gents. And until next week when we'll, we'll, we will rotate again, and, uh, and I don't think I'll be hosting, but someone else will be here. <laughs> uh, give others the chance. And uh, until then, thank you very much for listening and goodbye.